This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmett and I'm joined by two very special guests today. Looking looking great there, Theo. Um, obviously, if you listen to this at home. Uh, it was our um, Christmas night out um, last night and, and Theo, I think, was in there for the long haul. How are you feeling? Uh, not too bad. I, I came across um, Sam Carroll when I was walking to get a taxi at like three in the morning, locked out of his flat. So I had to rescue him. So I was woken up probably before seven o'clock by him asking where his coat was, having lost the coat on the night out. So that, that's as good as the night went. Uh, oh, he, he managed to get himself home in the end. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a good night out as it always is, isn't it, for us at Christmas? Yeah, you rescued the damsel in distress there in Sam Carroll. It's not the first time he's been rescued on a night out. But um, a very, very special um, Blood Red debut today um, in difficult circumstances as well, Beth. Um, for Beth Lindop, who is our... our Merseyside women's reporter um, joined the team about a month ago, I'd say. And, yeah, uh, it's your first podcast. It is. I've been roped in. Um, I think some people have been stricken down after after last night. So uh, yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot, Beth, because we're going to start before we start having a natter about LFC things this week. I'm going to start by asking you a bit about yourself. Tell us the, the Beth Lindop story. Um, I've heard rumours that you're some sort of child prodigy singer as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, what is the comment on that as well? <laughs> I'm not sure I'd go as far as child prodigy. Um, I did, I did like a sing back in the day. That was that was the route I uh, I wanted to go down actually um, for for a little while, um, performing arts, and then um, decided, you know what, it's probably not a lot of money in that. Where is there a lot of money? Journalism. Um, <laughs> quickly, quickly learned that that isn't the case. But um, so, yeah, I actually started off. Um, it was thanks to you, actually. I got, uh, you know, first started off at the Echo, did a little bit of time on sport um, while I was at uni um, and then became a turncoat, went over to, to news and um, onto the, the Echo's news desk. Um, and then sort of off the back of the Euros in the summer, the women's Euros, um, we have a, a new women's football team at Reach, so we have like correspondents across the country um, covering primarily the WSL, but you know the, the Lionesses and um, various other bits and bobs as well. So um, I'm across sort of all of that, um, which is great. So yeah, I'm I'm mainly looking at, at Liverpool and Everton, um, but yeah, it's it's a really exciting time to be to be getting involved in women's football. I think. Great. Well, we'll have a little natter about uh, women's football and, and, and Liverpool ladies. Um, Liverpool ladies, sorry, I'm, I'm talking like it's 2014. <laughs> women, um, at the end of this pod, but um, we'll start. I'm, I'm just trying to think of what bigger story for Liverpool this week is, and it just feels like every single day we can't escape the name Jude Bellingham. So, Theo, I mean, this is the week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my cards on the table. Here. This is the week that has convinced me just through the things that I'm reading, the things that I seem to be hearing at the moment, that I think Jude Bellingham will end up at Liverpool. Is there Does there feel like there's it's going that way at the moment? There just seems to be a lot of groundwork going in England, training and, and England games. And, you know, I don't know, it feels like there's a lot of hints being dropped. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think my gut feeling all along has been if the player wants the move, it's going to happen. Like we saw Liverpool miss out on Aurelien Schermeni in the summer because they were told he, he just wants to go to Real Madrid. 
And it feels more and more that this time it's actually gone in Liverpool's favour. It feels like Jude Bellingham would choose them over the money or going to La Liga or going to Man City. or I know PSG threw the, the name into the, the ring this week. But it just it feels like something that just fits. Um, obviously, I, I did the Euros last year when he got into the squad then. And you could see the groundwork starting there because that's when this blossoming relationship with Jordan Henderson started. Mm-hmm. You think Trent missed that tournament through injury. So it was Jude Bellingham that was next to him at all the times, like whether it was going for food or just examining pitch or this sort of thing. And you can tell he really looks up to him. He's a really good mentor for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like when Liverpool signed Jordan Henderson, it was they needed a midfielder to be the long-term mm-hmm. leader as a Steven Gerrard successor. Obviously, it's impossible to fill Steven Gerrard's shoes, but it feels like it's almost history repeating itself now. They can get Jude Bellingham, obviously a very different player to Jordan Henderson, but it's that succession plan in place again. Like You hear the reports from Germany where it's Liverpool leading the chase. Uh, the family are convinced with Liverpool. And then you see all these, was it, videos and clips of oh, he's out with Jordan Henderson again. He's out with Trent Alexander-Arnold again. They're like teasing about, oh, he's not going Real Madrid or he's signing Liverpool shirts. All of that adds up. And obviously they can't come out and say, yep, Liverpool, it's done. Like They've still got to go to the negotiating table with Borussia Dortmund, agree a transfer fee, agree personal terms. And you're hoping that he's not been taken to any dodgy trips to Blackpool because we know what happened with Virgil van Dijk. But it does seem to be, with every passing day in the World Cup, we're feeling positive. Like at the start, it was a pipe dream, almost. Like with Mbappe, who I'm sure we'll get to in a bit as well, there's always the hashtag, was it Mbappe 2020, Mbappe 2021, 22, so on. Bellingham, it feels a bit more realistic. And it's throughout the World Cup, it's just getting more and more realistic with each day. And you will say, if Liverpool don't get him now after all this groundwork, it, the questions are going to be asked. Like Fans are going to be fuming. And it'll just feel like, what? how on earth has this slipped through their fingers? I know um, Trent came out and said, when he put the picture of the two of them together on Instagram, it's not Agent Trent. Uh, yeah. out with his friends. It's like, nah, Trent, you know exactly what comment, comments are coming back on that post. You, you, your feed and the, the frenzy here. So they, they both, sorry, they both feel like they're, they're feeding the frenzy a little bit. Even Jordan Henderson, who, you know, he's not, I mean, I, Jordan is a, is a great, great figurehead, but he's very media trained, isn't he? He doesn't yeah. say things that he doesn't mean, but it, you know, the, there seems to be something going on between the, the three of them at the moment, doesn't there? Definitely. And you think, well, there's five Man City players in this squad, and Man City are apparently one of the teams in as well. You don't see them hanging out with Jack Grealish the same way, or Calvin Phillips, Kyle Walker. It's the Liverpool two that he's with. And that could just be, yeah, they're mates. There's no uh, Real Madrid players in this camp and we're reading too much into it and we're all setting ourselves up for massive disappointment. But surely when you join all these dots together, we're going to be success, uh, celebrating the successful... Success, yeah, successful. can tell we're not right out, mate, on that. <laughs> um, we're going to be celebrating this next summer, hopefully. But, but then it'd even be better if they could somehow get it done in January. But at the moment, you just don't know, do you? Waiting to see... And just enjoying watching Jude Bellingham burst onto the scene at the World Cup, the same way fans would remember Michael Owen doing in '98, Wayne Rooney in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another generational talent that whoever he's playing for, they're going to be lucky to have him. Hopefully, it's Liverpool. Yeah, Beth. I mean, if Liverpool do pull this off and that they sign Jude Bellingham, how much of a coup is it for Liverpool? Considering first of all, the finances involved in getting him is going to be. Well, it, it will almost certainly be Liverpool's record signing if they if they do get him. Um, the clubs that are also involved in the, in the shape of Real Madrid, 
and, and Man City um, and just the performances at the World Cup. Um, you know, it really feels like Bellingham has, has jumped into this superstar. In the, in, the, in the way only the World Cup can launch a player into like sort of the nation and, and, and the world's consciousness the way it's done with you, Bellingham. So how, how big a deal would it be for Liverpool to pull this off? I think it'd be, be huge. I think sort of that, like you say, in terms of, um, you know, beating out the likes of, of Real Madrid and, and, and City. And you have to say, if he does come to Liverpool, you know, I think it will be down to his personal preference wanting to, to come and be part of the club, which is, is a huge, huge statement, really, because you would imagine the likes of Real Madrid and Manchester City could probably stump up more in terms of wages. So, you know, for, for Liverpool to, to be sort of his first choice, which is, you know, if you have reports that have been coming out this week is to be to be believed it, it that does seem to be the case you know there's been reports that even if Liverpool don't qualify for the Champions League which you know hopefully isn't the case but you know he would still prefer a move to Liverpool which you know is, is is a huge huge statement and I think you know you mentioned him turning into a superstar his, his performances on the pitch have certainly showed that but I think what's impressed me is about him as well is it's not just his performances it, it's like he's He's ready-made to be be a superstar. Even when you see him speaking to the media, he's so so mature, so composed, yeah. um, and sort of those leadership qualities that that he's got as well at, at nineteen. It's it's absolutely mm-hmm. it's absurd, really. And I think sort of the one the one thing under Jurgen Klopp that I think the squad has, has been missing, and and even you know going back to to winning you know the league and the Champions League is is that real sort of superstar in midfield. I think obviously it worked for, for a number of years with the three of, of you know, Hendo, um, Ginny and, and, and Fabinho. But I think you don't have that sort of superstar quality that you've got in, you know, for example, Manchester City's midfield. I think, you know, a lot of fans thought Thiago coming in would be that. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of Thiago. He's a sublime footballer he really is but in terms of sort of week in week out and having that sort of monumental impact on the team I don't necessarily think he's had that whereas I think you know if Bellingham was to, to get over the line and, and to come to Liverpool um, you know the, the effect that would have I think it would almost be sort of um, you know Van Dijk-esque, Allison-esque in terms of the sort of transformational um, you know aspect it could have on, on the squad. Transfers about these 19 as well, was it Gary Neville who said, Stephen Gerrard wasn't doing this at 19. Like He didn't really get into the team properly and take it up that level until he was saying 21, I think, when Liverpool won the treble, he won PFA um, Young Player of the Year. Whereas Bellingham, it's not as though this has come out of nowhere either. He's been doing this for the 18 months. He's mm-hmm. been that standout player, got the, the armband with Dortmund so early on. It's like, if you, this is what he's like now. He's not going to peak for another six, seven years. Whoever signs him, if they can keep him for his career, you're not just signing a player for 10 years. You're getting 15 years out of him. And even then, he's, what, 34? Modric is still going strong, what, 36, 37? You're signing a midfielder here who is going to be the best player potentially in his position when he gets to his peak, like we saw Steven Gerrard become. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to be there for the succession after that when guiding the next stars. So Liverpool, if they get it right and he's very happy with them, he stays with them or whoever he joins, you're potentially signing for someone for 15, 20 years. And that, that's madness to think that. And when it's someone who could be best midfielder in the world, it's just, yeah, it's that consistency you're going to have to it. This, this, how Liverpool are safe for the future. Like There's always been the grumbles about the midfield from, what was it, the Brexit trio of, Jeannie, Milner and Henderson when they were losing that first Champions League final 
as Beth said, it's that superstar player that they could have. But when you're signing a superstar player who's 19 and only going to get better, it's still been a criticism of Liverpool under FSG that they never go and sign a finished article. That's always someone that step before and Klopp takes them to that next level. But there's no complaints about them doing here. You don't want them to go and get someone at the peak of the powers when you can get a Jude Bellingham because he is going to be this sensational player that who are, we're going to be talking about whoever he plays for for the next two decades. And that's just crazy to think. Yeah, I mean, Beth, we keep we keep calling him a superstar, don't we? And, you know, we, we talk about his age, they're 19. But he doesn't necessarily act like a superstar, does he, in terms of his, his body language and his... Is um, just his maturity. He doesn't. He looks like a, a lad who's, who's who's got a lot to learn. Who wants to learn a lot. And you know, I know that he seems to come from a, from a good family. His, his dad is his agent, and, and they obviously advise him quite well. So a move to Liverpool, it feels right for him, doesn't it? It feels like a, a match made in heaven. You know, I, I think you know other players might be might be swayed by the the glamour of Real Madrid or the the money of Man City, but. Liverpool and Bellingham just feels right, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's the sort of player you can just imagine him, you know, Champions League semi-final at Anfield, stood in front of the cop, soaking it all in. Like, I think yeah. he's that sort of player you can just, like you say, it. I think he is a perfect fit for Liverpool, I really do, in terms of his playing style, but equally in terms of his character, I think, you know, that's been one of the, the, the greatest strengths, I think, under Jurgen Klopp, is he's had so many good characters within the squad and, I think he's another lad who could come in and, and just and like like you say, just be be a real character in the dressing room, a real leader on the pitch and someone who I don't think, you know, he's, he's getting so much hype at the moment. At 19 years old, that must be so, so mm. difficult to deal with and being under such scrutiny and, and such intense media pressure. And it doesn't seem to phase him at all. So I think that's that's another thing that's really impressed me with him and, and, and something that I think bodes well. If he does come to Liverpool, I don't think he's the sort of player, you know, we obviously saw sort of, Jaden Sancho on a, on a similar tra- trajectory with you know with Dortmund and then making that big move to United and obviously hasn't really worked out for him. Um, mm. But I don't I can't see sort of Bellingham even if he goes for you know what's likely to probably transfer record certainly. Um, you know I can't see him being overawed by that. I can't see him sort of you know like you say sort of thinking he's you know getting too big for his boots or mm. being swayed by the glamour of, of you know various different things. I think he's I think he's got a such a good mentality, which you know, obviously paired with his his playing ability too, is is a real, real asset. And hopefully, Liverpool can get it over the line. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I know everyone likes to get excited about transfers, Theo, but but I do think, and and. Let's face it, clubs have won the transfer market in the past and it hasn't always worked out that way. But winning in the transfer market or, or getting a player like this is is significant, isn't it? And, it? and it will help Liverpool at a time when, you know, perhaps there's some, some questions about the ship, where they're going there, you know, they fall away a little bit in the league. Um, 
you know, getting Bellingham will sort of keep Liverpool in the in the minds of other big clubs, won't it, and other big players, if that makes sense. Yeah, because like they're in a transitional period still. It's a this gradual overhaul of an aging squad who have been riddled with injury prone players, especially in midfield. So it is a telling sign that they've managed to get Jurgen Klopp to sign a new contract earlier in the year when we thought that would be it for him when his um, last deal expired. And then that you're still able to lure in one of these talents. Like it was a big statement when Liverpool were doing it the first time when Virgil van Dijk only had eyes for them, despite interest from City and Chelsea, I think it was. And then to see them get Alisson, um, even Fabinho to a lesser extent. But we know those transfers came off the back of, say, selling Coutinho. And they've not really had to make too much, uh, do too much surgery to the squad since then, despite calls from the outside. Like this would be that next big investment step into it, and it would be such a, a big boost, a big coup, a message to everyone that Liverpool are still here. Um, if by some miracle we we're talking, they could get him in January. He's going to do what Luis Diaz did, isn't it? Like last January, it looked like Liverpool's title bid was dead. They go and sign Luis Diaz, and they're suddenly competing for a quadruple. Now, that wasn't entirely down to him, but we saw the shot in the arm he gave that Liverpool squad. Like fans get excited about new signings, but the players do too. Like we've heard it from like Sir Gerard and Carragher, you know, how they'd like judge players in their first training session, and when they'd have a good one, they'd be going home like just absolutely buzzing, can't wait for it to see more from them. Liverpool players like Henderson and Trent, they've already seen this from Bellingham in training. They know exactly how good a player he is and what Liverpool could be getting hold of. So it would definitely give them a nice little boost whenever he moves on. But on the other side of it, if they miss out, it's going to be devastating, isn't it? We've been talking about it for so long and now when it's feeling like it's within that grasp, like whenever we'd had the talks about Mbappe, it was tongue-in-cheek. He never realistically thought Liverpool were going to spend 300 million or whatever ridiculous fee it would get to get uh, Kylian Mbappe. But it feels like we can talk about Jude Bellingham, say club record fee. Yeah, they want to make it happen. Find a way to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about the fee, the, the the type of player, what it would mean for Liverpool. But just just quickly, I mean, I, I, I'd watched Bellingham various times with Dortmund a little bit. Probably never really watched full 90 minutes of him playing, just watching him. And, um, you know, you've seen Champions League highlights or whatever it might be. But, but Beth, just, I mean, this World Cup, how, how impressed have you been by him? He just has been, been brilliant, hasn't he? He has, and I think I think obviously you know got into the Euro squad last year, but was maybe sort of slightly more of a, of a bit part player. Whereas you know if you, if you ask anyone, I think who's been the standout performer for England, you know ninety percent of people would say him. And again, as we've said, to do that at nineteen, you know it, it's it's phenomenal, phenomenal. And, and like you said, I I'll hold my hands up and say I watched bits of him for Dortmund, like and you know highlights, but I've not sat and watched him and, and focused on him to the extent that I have over the last few weeks and I think sort of what epitomises him was that um, in the build-up to that goal to England's goal um, who was it who scored it on um, in the last in the last round where he wins it sort of you know and, and carries the ball and you're thinking oh pass it pass it pass it and he just doesn't panic he holds on to it yeah. releases the ball it's the absolute inch perfect pass there for Foden and then you know, to have that composure in, in, you know, such a decisive game at 19 years old, um, yeah, he's he's been he's been an absolute superstar, and excited to see him in action tomorrow as well. Definitely. Well, another player who's been an absolute superstar for Liverpool is, is Roberto Firmino. Um, obviously, he's had his ups and downs, but this year he's come sort of roaring back, hasn't he? With seven goals in the Premier League, the top scorer. Uh, Theo, 
there's some rumours today about his contract. Um, we're yet to um, get it completely stood up, but it would make sense, wouldn't it, if Liverpool try to keep him? And um, how significant would it be if they can keep hold of him for another few years at least? Yeah, I think it'd be an important one if they could get him to commit for another couple of years. Like with um, Salah, it felt like it was a fight to convince him to get the contract that was right for him, even though it's what he wanted to do. We saw Sadio Mane, he wanted that new challenge. But with Firmino, he's almost been taken for granted, left in the background, because he always just assumed that it was Liverpool's decision. If they wanted to keep him, then he's going to stay. Um, because he loves being at the club. He's never someone who you realistically see being linked with big elite clubs elsewhere and they were fighting to keep hold of him in the same way. I think um, Doyley did a piece maybe last month where he's saying um, Firmino's become the player that Liverpool couldn't sign when he was first choice. So the fact that they didn't have someone who could come in and out, make that impact because it was an untouchable front three and there was that big drop-off beneath them. Whereas now they've got Firmino there who's able to offer the experience. He can come on, um, come in up front and make an impact, but you're not relying on him to start every single game. And it, he has had to adapt to his role, but he seems to be thriving in it as well. Like, he's offering these goals this year and he seems to be a lot more relaxed. Like Last season, it was hard for him. Like, he had so many injury setbacks and we've never seen him have these setbacks before. So it was easy to write him off and say he was finished. Um, it's probably cost him his place for Brazil in the World Cup squad, if we're honest, because there was like a year where he wasn't playing for them. Uh, every time the squad was being named, he was either just back from injury or had just suffered an injury. And you think, well, he's getting old now. He's probably past his best. But this year, he's just silenced his critics emphatically. You're looking at a player who's providing these goals. He fits so well into Liverpool's style. He's what, played more games under Klopp than anyone else. Uh, he's certainly someone you want to keep around as an elder statesman in the squad who you can turn to like for these Champions League nights if you need a goal he's a great option to throw off the bench you can cause defenders uh, damage and he's a bit different to say Darwin Nunes you want that variety of options to win you a game he's proven his quality again this season long may it continue makes sense that these um, rumours reports are coming out about a contract offer now because we're talking what start of December if nothing happens and he goes into January with six months left on his contract. You can talk to foreign clubs. Um, and then this what pre-contract agreement, there's more of a risk of losing him. But if he wants to stay at Liverpool and Liverpool want him to stay, you'd imagine it'd be quite straightforward for him to get something done. Yeah, well, many people might be listening to this pod after these two games, but we're, we're recording on Friday and um, there's, a, there's a huge match that obviously Firmino is not involved with because he's not with Brazil, but his teammates Fabinho and Alisson, um, well, Alisson will be Fabinho, perhaps not be involved in. Um, it was like a, a huge game. So it's been a weird week for Alisson because um, he, he made a lot of saves in the in the last game against South Korea, but there seems to have been some strange criticism of him. Keith Schmeichel was, was criticising him, and um, <clears throat> as was Rude Hollett. Um, but it could be massively significant for Alisson, couldn't it, if he can get through and if Brazil can go all the way in this competition, Beth? Because I feel like Liverpool fans know just is but perhaps not in the wider football world. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I think as well with Alison, a lot of it comes down to you very rarely see him making these Hollywood saves and, and spectacular saves. And that's not because he's not making fantastic saves. It's because he just, his positioning, you know, his composure, everything is so good. He always seems to be in the right place to make things look easy. And I think that's probably why sometimes, you know, rival, you know, 
fans from from other clubs that look at him and they go, oh well, you know, he's not as he's not as good as X Y Z. Um, but you know, it, undoubtedly, you know, for me, he's player of the of the season for Liverpool so far. Um, like you say, showed his importance um, against South Korea as well. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd be delighted for him uh, to, if he, you know, on, on a personal level for him to win that because, um, you know, he, he is an absolute superstar. We're very, very lucky to have him at, at Liverpool. And I think, you know, there is always sort of that the debate about, you know, should it be him? Should it be Addison starting for Brazil? Um, I think Alisson sort of lost his place sort of briefly earlier early this year. Addison, mm-hmm. Addison obviously came in um, for a little while and, you know, obviously, I think Edison um, has, you know, he's a great goalkeeper. It's why he's at Manchester City. But mm. for me, the, the absolute pulls apart. I think, you know, Edison gets a lot of credit for, for you know, how good he is with the ball at his feet. Um, but I do, you know, I'd, I'd have Alisson sort of every day over him, to be honest. I think Edison has a mistake in him. Um, which, you know, obviously, Alisson has had on, on previous occasions. But, um, but yeah, he's a superstar. And I think, you know, if, if Brazil could go all the way, I'd be absolutely delighted for for him and, and for Fabinho too, but but for Alisson in particular. So, some odd criticism, wasn't it, Theo? I mean, I, I couldn't really work out why Peter Michael seemed to be so, I don't know, critical of him. He, he, he seemed to, you know, just said I, I, he doesn't fill me with confidence and, and that he, he, he has a mistake in him. And I don't know, what, what has Alisson done to deserve that? Because I don't see him making many mistakes week in, week out. Every every goalkeeper makes the odd mistake. Peter Schmeichel made Many big mistakes this time at United, but it was what he also did with some of the saves and the, you know just the presence he had. Um, you know the, the presence Allenson has had on Liverpool's back four is just immeasurable, isn't it? I think what he's done wrong in Peter Schmeichel's eyes is play for Liverpool, it's Manchester United legend. Maybe there's a bit of bias that comes into it there. But what really strikes me about Allison is he doesn't blow his own trumpet. Like with goalkeepers, there always seems to be a bit of an arrogance about them. Um, it's crazy stories, and there's always just something about them that's a bit spiky. Like you think of Courtois like this year, it seems like he's gone to war with pretty much everyone. Like before the Champions League final, after the Champions League final, now um, with Belgium having a, a poor World Cup as well, where he's saying, "Oh, British media don't respect me. I should have won the Ballon d'Or." All these things. Just, you never hear Alice saying like this, but maybe because he doesn't blow his own trumpet and make those headlines, that's why it's easier for him to go under the radar with outsiders. But we're talking about a goalkeeper here who's won every single major honour with Liverpool and he's won the Copa America. So that's the equivalent of European Championships. If he now goes and wins a World Cup as well, he's completed football, he's completed the set. There's nothing else he can achieve. He won the goalkeeping equivalent of um, the Ballon d'Or, didn't he, the first year? Was it the Copa Award? He's achieved everything near apart from the World Cup that there is for him to achieve. And you still think he's going to get better as well because he's what? 30, there could be another four or five years out of him here, but because he doesn't blow his own trumpet and he doesn't make these um, headlines, you just judge him on what you see in games. And it's when you don't watch players for 90 minutes, if they make a mistake, that's what opposing fans will judge them on. Like you think back mm-hmm. to his first season when he like made, was it the silly one against Leicester? Yeah, Those yeah. Sort of things. Mm-hmm. Whereas we see him 90 minutes, week in, week out, and it's beyond that superb save against Napoli in the last minute on the way to the Champions League final glory. We see him making these ones where he stands up strong and he makes it all look so simple and straightforward. There are no camera saves. He saves mm-hmm. things you don't expect a goalkeeper to save and he makes it look easy and he's not there giving it the big fist bumps to the crowd with fan, um, players jumping on him like you see a Jordan Pickford do or anything like that. It's just so down to earth. 
obviously he had an understandable blip last season for personal reasons, lost his place in the Brazil team. They lost Copper America that year with Edison and Golden. It's not necessarily because Edison was at uh, fault or had a bad tournament. I think there was a little bit of criticism for the winning goal in the final because he was off his line too early. He was in no man's land and Di Maria just chipped him. But Allison is just that all-round goalkeeper that wins you games and he goes about his business so quietly. Uh, it's be very good for him if he could win the World Cup and get those headlines because you think back to some of these great Brazil sides of yesteryear, all those star names, he deserves his place to be amongst them because he, he has won everything. Long may it continue. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, Beth, I've got some breaking news um, now at 1.30 on, on Friday afternoon. Um, some pretty frustrating news for Liverpool. Um, Luis Diaz, who's been back in training, um, Liverpool's Dubai training camp, has suffered a setback and has had to fly back um, to the UK. Um, he's, he's complained of discomfort and undergo further assessment. So um, yeah, he's been out since October. It's a big blow, isn't it? Let's face it, you know, Liverpool will just hope that this is, you know, perhaps not huge setback and, and won't put him on the shelf for long and maybe just pushes that come back a couple of weeks rather than months. But um you know Liverpool really missed him, haven't they? Yeah, it's it's that's a huge blow. Um really, really huge. And like you say, I think Liverpool will be hoping that, you know, by the time sort of the, the Premier League kicks back in, he's you know, he's he's not too far, too far off coming back to the squad because you know, like like Theo said earlier on, that the impact that he had when he came in, in on in January, it was it was huge. It was, you know, he's, he's the sort of player who can win you games by himself. Sometimes the 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 impact that he has, that his ability to take players on, which you yeah. know we saw Sadio Mane do that so many times, sort of for Liverpool over the years. I think maybe in his, his last season, actually, that was quite frustrating, as you didn't maybe see Mane going at players as much. And I think Diaz came in and and did that. He's not afraid to do that. His pace, um, and I think you know in games where Liverpool have been have been poor. He so often has, has had that moment of, of quality. You know, you think back to that game against against Spurs at the end toward the end of last season. Obviously, ultimately, potentially cost Liverpool the league. But you know, without Diaz getting getting that point, getting the goal, you know, it wouldn't have gone down to the final day. So yeah, he's a, he's a superb player and a huge blow for Liverpool if he is going to be out for for too much longer. Yeah, he still feels like something fresh, doesn't he, Diaz? And that, I think that has been the issue for Liverpool this season. And when he's played. He gives them something different, like Beth says. He seems to run at people, commit defenders. Um, so this this is, I mean, it, it's, it's the worst possible news for Liverpool um, as they try and get back and, and get their, their squad ready for the second half of the season, isn't it? Yeah, he feels like he's going to be this big player for Liverpool for the next five years or whatever because he made such an impact straight away, offering goals and assists and, like you say, running at defenders and terrifying them. He straight away proved himself to be a a match winner for Liverpool and he's probably the one player in the squad at the moment along with Salah that you've got that fear for if they drop out and they're injured because these are the players that win your games uh, he made such an impact in that first six months and he was probably Liverpool's best player um, when it wasn't going from on the pitch in the first two months of the season he was the one still getting goals and delivering for them and while Liverpool found a way to pick up and win without him after the injury we're all looking forward to just seeing him back in action end of this month and then 2023 onwards. And now it's hoping that it's not going to be uh, bad news and it's just a minor setback and he can come back fitter and stronger. Um, we've done our what fans football of the year. 
Um, shouts. He, he was my shout. I, I thought out of the players left at Liverpool this season, I'd have given it Sadio Mane if we were allowed to put him forward. But beyond that, it was Luis Diaz. He's the one who came in and made such an impact and got an extra 5% out of Liverpool when they needed it. Bad news now to see him potentially suffer a setback. I think it's just discomfort at the moment. And hopefully, it's just a precaution. Like they always do this with the training and stuff. But the fact that he's flown home, maybe yeah. there is going to be yeah. a bit more to it. Hopefully, whenever he, he does come back and it's not too long away, uh, he can have that same shot in the arm for Liverpool again, give him that boost to see him back on the pitch because he wins games, he makes a difference, and he's a, a player that gets fans out of their seats and terrifies defences. Definitely. Well, the Echo will keep you informed on this story. Paul Ghost, our Liverpool correspondent, is um, is on his way out to Dubai as we speak. He's, I think he's still in the air, texted before, um, and he didn't reply. So, yeah, um, he will be... Liverpool's training camp reporting back for the Echo. So we'll have more on that story. Um, tomorrow is a, a huge game, isn't it, Theo? You've got, you'll have your face painted, won't you? And your, your three lines will be on your shirt. I mean, it, look, I'm not I'm not going to turn this podcast into an England football team podcast because you um, you know my my opinions. But but it, it is a massive game. So I, I think we can't ignore it completely. Um Beth, do you um, do you think England can go all the way? They they feel feel quite exciting this this time around, don't they? Yeah, I have a weird um, got no evidence to back this up. It's just purely a gut feeling. I do have a weird feeling about England this year. I do. I I wouldn't be surprised. Certainly, if they got to the final, um, and yeah, if, I wouldn't be surprised if they went all the way. I do think they've got so much quality in the squad. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Brazil's squad and, and Argentina's squad and. I think England is is right up there with 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 you know with anyone because you hear some of the names within within that squad. It's just sort of superstar after superstar. I think obviously the defense is maybe where you know that there are a few cracks and you know Harry Maguire has has been under the microscope and and to be fair to him, I think has done you know a, a decent job at the tournament so far. I think you know he's he's acquitted himself pretty well. But um, but yeah, I think obviously a lot of the focus. Will be on Mbappe, and um, he's a superstar. We, you know, we all know that. But you know, I think I think it was Kyle Walker who said earlier this week. You know, it's not England versus Mbappe; it's England versus France. And I do think, man for man, I fancy England. To be fair, I think I don't think France are sort of as formidable an outfit as they were in twenty eighteen. I think obviously the midfield they've lost, you know, Pogba and and, and Kante as well, and. Um, defensively, I think they can be got at. I really do. So I, I think it just depends who turns up on the day. Really, obviously, Mbappe will be be hard to, to keep quiet. It'll be a bit handful for for Kyle Walker. You'd imagine he'll be be starting the game. Um, but I do think I do think England have a chance, and I do actually fancy them to to maybe get something tomorrow. Do you fancy them, Theo? Or do you think you'd be blowing your bugle for England in a World Cup final? Say, <laughs> so, I probably do need the face paint at the moment. Still looking a bit grey after last <laughs> night. Um, I, I think France are winning the, the, this quarter final. I, I think England are getting knocked yeah. out, but that means that they can go into it. I suppose with the pressures off. Uh, yeah, if they can get a, a shock performance and get a win, it's a massive statement to the rest of the tournament. They've just knocked out the world champions, and you fully back them to go all the way to go yeah. step further than they did the Euros. But when we're talking about, oh, is it going to be Argentina's year for Messi and these individual players that make the difference? Well, Mbappe's coming back, uh, isn't he? He's the one who's going to be the best player in the world. He's already leading the, the way for the Golden Boot this year, and yeah. he's just such a sensational talent. That the goals against Poland were just yeah, that was 
And we're talking about France not being as good as they were four years ago. That, that's right. Uh, but they've had so many injuries. Like even before the tournament, or once it started, they've got four or five players that had to withdraw from the squad. I've already seen Kante and Pogba ruled out. And you still look at the squad and go, that's decent. Like, yeah. We all speak about the depth they've got at centre-back. Uh, like, is it Salibur? He's not even started a game, has he? Because Canate's ahead of him in the pecking order. It's such a strong squad. Um, it just feels like a squad that can win the World Cup. And I suppose it's used to England just disappointing you, falling short. Like, there's a stat going round. I think they've only won against the team above them in the FIFA rankings once in however many years. I'm not sure how far back it goes. But that was Argentina in the group stages in 2002. Yeah. So you're used to England just falling short at that yeah. final hurdle. It's not even a final hurdle, but not quite having enough against these elite teams. So I can't look past France. Yeah. But if England can do it, then not, I reckon they could go all the way. So sitting on the fence there. But yeah. I think, I think as well, like you, you mentioned that stat there as well about the FIFA rankings. I think one big advantage France do have as well as obviously Mbappe is the psychological aspect. I think sort of England, like you say, they're... they're they're always sort of the bridesmaid, aren't they? They're always sort of falling at that final hurdle. France have been there, done that, bought the T-shirt fairly recently as well, obviously, in, in 2018. So I think if England go behind, it'd be interesting to see sort of how they responded to that because, you know, I think psychologically France do have that edge. They know they can win. I think they'll probably come into it feeling like they're going to win the game. Um, so I think that's it's whether sort of England's players are, are overawed by the occasion. Um, you know, who knows? But... I think that's one thing as well France have got in the favour is, is the fact that they've they've won it so recently and we'll believe that they're the favourites, I think, going into it. I will say, how exciting is it for us for the Liverpool angle that new owners potentially in 2023, you're watching this game, just the two poster boys are going to be at Liverpool next season, aren't they? <laughs> Him and Mbappe. Well, yeah, maybe one of them, maybe one of them. <laughs> I'm slightly surprised, to be fair, before we move on, that the France don't play Canate more because when he's played this World Cup, he's played very well. Um Usually, I used to like Varane a lot, but I'm not hugely enamoured by Varane anymore. But, um, but yeah, I think I think about France, and I think you know, I think sometimes, for example, Tushimani, who Liverpool tried to sign, is a, a hundred million midfielder playing playing for France, and I almost think people don't because people don't know him that well that they don't necessarily realise how good that team and that squad is. So. It's it's massive for England. I've got I've got a feeling it could be very much like two thousand and two when um you know they, they played quite well but ultimately we're, we're unlucky and, and, and lost out to a, to a great Brazil side who went on and won it and just feel like that there could be a similar sad story for England tomorrow. But ultimately, who cares? Half of my house would be happy if that's the case. I was going to say it's a massive game in the Rimmer household, isn't it? It's the Rimmer derby. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd say that if if I was that, really that worried and, and lots of. Caroline's friends will, will will text me and message me, um, trying to rub it in if France win, but not quite realise. I'm not really that worried. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um, but moving on, um, Beth, we are going to shine the spotlight on you for a little bit now because um, the whole women are in action this weekend against Leicester on Sunday. Um, and it's a big game for us, isn't it? Because they've had a bit of an indifferent season so far. Um, I know they, they won in their last WSL game, didn't they? Somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's it's a big game at home and a big chance for them to, to sort of string together back-to-back wins, which they've not done this season, have they? No, they haven't. It's a, it's a huge, huge game. I think especially um, so after this weekend, the WSL breaks for um, 
nearly a month until, until January. So yeah. to sign off with a win, uh, Leicester are at bottom of the league at the moment. They've failed to pick up a single point this season. Yeah. Um, so I think Liverpool are currently on eight points. So obviously a win to take them to 11. There's yeah. still half the season to play, but it'd be a huge sort of weight off off the shoulders, I think, if they were to get that sort of 11 point, uh, yeah, 11 point breathing, you know, a little, little bit of breathing space. I think that would, would be a huge relief going into to the second half of the season because in the WSL it's only one side that, that gets relegated so at the moment it's looking very much like Leicester are sort of top candidates for that but I think you know you don't want to give them any hope so if Liverpool can just be professional and, and get the job done on, on Sunday that'll be a massive massive boost for them going into the to the winter break. Yeah. What, what's the mood like around the women's team at the moment obviously they, they were relegated a couple of years back came back up under Matt Beard who's who's back there having won the league with them in the past um you know, is that is that there was a buoyancy about them, wasn't there? Is that still there? You, is it fair to say? Yeah, I think it's the mood in the camp is pretty good at the moment. Um, you know, I think that's probably one of Liverpool's biggest assets. I mean, like you like you say, I think, you know, if we go back to sort of twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, Liverpool were actually the first club to give all the players full-time professional contracts they went on, they won the league back to back. So to go from that to to then to be relegated. Um, coincidentally, the same year that the men won the league, um, you know, it's not a good look for the club, and and it's you know obviously hugely disappointing. Um, yeah. But they were they had an absolutely you know blinder of a season last year in the championship, um, and you know they they came up and they got that win over Chelsea on the opening day, and it sort of felt like gosh they're, they're right back in it, and yeah. you know Chelsea have, have won um, the last few the last few seasons won the league, yeah. so. You know that was a huge statement, and then after that, it was sort of, um, you know, straight back to down to earth. They got beat three 0 by by Everton at Anfield, and they've been unlucky to be fair to them in, in in some performances in the last couple of months. You know, they've they've played fairly well, but they've they've been reliant quite heavily reliant on on Katie Stengel, um, you know, yeah. scoring goals. She scored, you know, a, a pretty high percentage, but the last few weeks sort of those goals have started to come and, and they you know they got back to back draws which you know I think was important for them to sort of stop the rot, stop that losing streak. Yeah. Um, and then West Ham last weekend. Yeah. That's the best I've seen them play play all season. They were yeah. absolutely superb. First half in particular, they were just, you know, they look so confident and so um I think that's the thing. When they when they've gone behind at times this season, they've not always looked like they you know they have the response or the belief to come back, and they, you know, they were they were just um they were superb on Sunday, and I think Matt Beard is, is a huge you know he deserves so much credit. He was obviously at Liverpool when they won the league, and all the girls seem to absolutely love him, and and he you know he's he's straight talking. Don't think takes takes any nonsense, but um they all seem to really really like him, and and he seems to have, have built a squad of really good people as well as players. And I think that's important when things aren't always going your way on the pitch. Yeah, they certainly have some really likable characters, don't they? You see a lot of them on social media and stuff. Yeah, they do. They, they are they are a really good bunch, and you know the sort of the sort of team that I think will would you know fight for each other on the pitch, which is obviously really important when you you know you're in it, not in a relegation scrap because I don't think Liverpool will be, be dragged down. I think you know they've started getting points on the board now, and a win against Leicester will be you know go a long way and you know ensuring that they stay up, but. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a really good group of characters and the performances are starting to come now and, and the results. So that's, you know, a, a huge relief for, for Matt Beard, I think. Is that game at Prenton Park on Sunday? It is. So they've actually had, it's the fourth of, of four back-to-back um, home league games. Um, so yeah, anyone who, uh, for, for any men's season ticket holders out there, 
um, you can actually go and see it free, which, mm-hmm. you know, while, while the men aren't, aren't in action yet, I think that'd be, be nice for anyone to go down and, and, and cheer the girls on. But um, yeah, I think, you know, the crowds have been good. They've been growing, obviously, up on, on the last couple of years off the back of the Euros, but still a long way to go, I think, in terms of getting, you know, more people through the door and, and, and you know, week, week by week, you know, it's steadily growing, but hopefully it'll continue to grow in the new year. Brilliant. Well, that's 2 p.m. Sunday. Beth, um, for all of our listeners who are meeting you for the first time, how, how can they follow you on social media? Can you can you give us your handles? Yeah, I've just realised I've not put my handle on the thing. Yeah. So it's at Beth underscore Lindop. So it's fairly simple. Um, but yeah, if you want to if you want to keep up to date with what's going on with the women's team and um, with Everton too, if you if you're interested, then uh, yeah, yeah, that's how you can you can give me a follow. Great. That's that's the first thing you, know, you don't like a player ratings. Say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, yeah, player ratings are always always fun. But, uh, but yeah, that's how you can give me a follow. Yeah, well, it's been a cracking debut. Thank you, Beth. And, and Theo, you've soldiered on magnificently. Um, you know, you can get back into bed now and close the curtains. <laughs> yeah, um, but do some work, do some work as well. Right, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today on the Blood Red Podcast. Um, please do follow Paul Gorse. He's out in Dubai. There'll be plenty of news over the next few days. Liverpool are in action on Sunday against Lyon. And then, is it Wednesday, Theo, against AC Milan? Um, potentially, yeah. I've not really paid attention to these games yet. I'm in World Cup mode because I'm such a big England fan, clearly. Yeah, yeah, we're only paid to know, but yeah, yeah, they are in action <laughs> as well. So, um, um, busy few days for Liverpool, and I think things start to pick up a little bit after um, a barren spell for club football. But thanks very much for tuning in, and we'll see you again on Monday to discuss that game against Leon. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.